If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Sports Betting Network. It is the final hour of the Greg Peterson experience, and it is now midnight Pacific time, which means that all the continental 48 states, they are now on a Saturday, which means it's a college football Saturday. So we're going to be going hard and heavy on the college football betting board for this Saturday in this final hour. Also going to be giving you guys a little bit on the college basketball board as well. Don't you worry. I've got you covered there. I'll refresh the New York Post pick that I'll be giving out today if you want to missing that in the last hour. So have no worries, and to be able to catch anything that I've given out today on this show, you're able to search this fine show, The Greg Peterson Experience, on the VEASAN Bets Bets Podcast. You're able to get that wherever you find your podcast, but without further ado, it is now a fresh day for all of us out there. For some of you guys who want to take a beat on to begin your Saturday, technically, if you're out there on the East Coast and you want to having Phil and Oval like I did, which, that's eh, just a calamity right there, but with that said, it is a new. So let's start a new and let's take a look at some college football. And you've got some really good games in the 9 a.m. time slot. Typically, you wind up seeing like a few ranked teams out there, but these are some pretty good ones. How about if we start out with the one out there in the Big 12? Because we're going to get to the next one after that that is involving a really big point spread. And I'll have my thoughts there, but Oklahoma taking on Baylor. Baylor currently finding themselves as a five and a half point underdog, and your total on this game is 62 and a half. I just feel like this is pretty darn disrespectful to Baylor in general. You take a look at the Bears, and I feel like they've really been able to find themselves under Dave Aranda now with Oklahoma, no doubt making the move at quarterback earlier this year to wind up benching 
Spencer Rattler. That has paid off in spades. Caleb Williams has been able to do an absolutely tremendous job for this team. You give him all the credit in the world for what he's been able to do. But at the same time, it is one of these cases as well that I think that Baylor is going to be able to hold up at the point of attack on defense because you just take a look at Dave Aranda in general. In his DNA, he has always been a defensive-minded guy, whether he be at Wisconsin, whether that be at LSU. He has always helped out those defenses. So I think that that is something that Baylor is going to be able to use to their advantage. Baylor is a team that's going to be a tad bit banged up in this one, but I do think that they're going to be able to still have a lot when it comes to Abraham Smith. Smith has been absolutely tremendous this year. He is giving you over 1,000 yards. I believe that this is a gentleman that wanted to begin his career as a linebacker, winds up going to running back. He has certainly been able to absorb the position, someone that has been able to just do a great job in general the recent weeks as he's had 97-plus yards in four out of his last five games. He's averaging on a per-carry basis over seven yards. When you're this deep into the season, it shows you just how strong he is. And with Oklahoma... I'm just still not necessarily sold on this team. You even go back to week one. They wind up playing a home game against Tulane that was supposed to be on the road. They barely squeaked by in that one. They looked a little bit better in that game against Texas Tech, but even going on the road to Kansas, they didn't necessarily look great in this one. For them to be going on the road and laying north of a field goal is just something that I can't necessarily get by. Oklahoma, no doubt, a very good offense. We've seen it from them, 35-plus points each out of the last five weeks, so they've been able to do a masterful job there, but when you're giving up like 20-plus points to Kansas, when you wind up giving up 31 points to a TCU offense that legitimately is not very good, when you wind up giving up 31 points on the road to Kansas State, it does have me to have my cautions with this. I do think that Baylor is going to be able to hold up if I were to look at anything with regards to total, I would be looking under, but I do think that Oklahoma is going to try to get a little bit more of the pace, but I think that you're getting good value here with Baylor. I don't know if they necessarily pull this game off outright, but getting north of a field goal is something that I can certainly be signed up for. I think that they're going to be able to do a nice job. I think that they're going to be able to run the ball relatively well. Baylor, not necessarily the most explosive team when it comes to being able to pass, but at the same time, it does feel like Oklahoma does wind up making a mistake or two every single game that if you're betting on them, it causes you to really pull your hair out. So taking a look at the points with Baylor. I take a look at this one and all I can do is chuckle. You're not going to get as much of a play here, but you've got Alabama versus New Mexico State. And with Alabama, they are anywhere between a 51 to a 51 and a half point favorite. Ladies and gentlemen, it's November 13th and they're playing against New Mexico State. Why? I have absolutely no idea. And you just see this from the SEC every single year. The SEC. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I'm from Big Ten country and I'm very secure in saying this. The SEC is the best conference in all of college football and it's really not close. With that said, why do we have to book these sorts of games against New Mexico State? You're going to see it in a few weeks. More of these SEC schools, they're going to be booking the Citadel. They're going to be booking UNC Greensboro. They're going to be booking Chattanooga. And it's like, what in the world are we doing? I recognize that you want to get your teams into the college football playoff, the New York Six Bulls, what have you. But I mean, come on. This is a spot in which if you really had me bet something, I would take 51 and a half with New Mexico State just because we've seen it with Alabama under Nick Saban in recent years. He always, when he winds up getting up really, really big, he calls off the dogs a little bit more. You wind up seeing Walkie with McWalk on the fifth, wind up getting his time in the spotlight. The parents are cheering in the fourth quarter. It's just a heart-wrenching moment. 
Unless if you want to blame the points with Alabama, you need another touchdown. And because everyone's cheering for Milwaukee McWalk on the fifth, they are not going to get there because instead he just is like tripping over his own two feet. So I mean, it's just one of these cases in which if you're really, really looking to take something, I would take 51 and a half points. But man, I mean, how easily can we wind up seeing it happening with a New Mexico State team that is legitimately a bottom 15 team in all of college football and lost to UNLV. That's all that needs to be said right there. They've lost to UNLV. That is not good, but I mean, man, it's just a case in which it's a game that should not be played. If you have a game that should not be played, should we be betting it? That's the big old question there. I'm personally not going to be putting any shekels down on either Alabama or New Mexico State because it is a travesty that we wind up having this game in general. Much less of a travesty that we wind up having this good Big Ten game as if you got Penn State, they're going to be playing us in Michigan. One of the tighter spreads that you're going to be finding because you've got Michigan as the slightest of slight favorites. Right now, I'm seeing mostly about Michigan, a point and a half. You might wind up finding a two. You might wind up finding a one. I wouldn't be surprised if this moves a tad in the AM. Seeing as high as two and a half now over there at DraftKings. And your total on this game, you're finding it at a 48 and a half. Pretty much anything below a field goal, I would be willing to take it with Michigan. Once you wind up getting north of three, that's when you wind up getting into a little bit of a danger zone. And you just take a look at this Penn State team, and they just have been very prone to laying some clunkers this year. They're a bunch of which they were able to get off to a nice start when they wound up beginning the year at Wisconsin. But the more you take a look at that game, the more I think it was a little bit of a fluke just because Wisconsin wound up turning the ball over multiple times in the red zone. And it wasn't necessarily because of great defense by Penn State. It was just more of the incompetence of the Wisconsin Badgers, a team that has been very befuddling to bet on this year. But when it comes to the Wolverines, this team has been able to do a very good job just defensively in general. They've been able to cut off the pass. And when you take a look at what you've been able to get out of the Nittany Lions, this is a team in which it's been really big as to what you've been able to get out of Sean Clifford. We all remember when he wound up going down in that game a few weeks ago against Iowa. They just looked like a complete and utter shell of themselves when he was out of that game. So he actually means quite a bit to Penn State. He recently has been able to rein it in just one interception in the team's last three games. So has been doing a good job of being a game manager, and that's all that they need him to be. And when they need him to step up a little bit more, he's been able to. Now, it was a losing effort against Ohio State, but the last two weeks, including that game, he's thrown for over 360 yards. And then you take a look at Michigan. This is no doubt a team that is not going to be causing Mr. Cave McNamara to be able to air the ball out too much. He's still below 2,000 yards this season. He's had one really big game. That game against Michigan State, he aired it out, and he aired it out quite well, so... You give him credit. It shows that when he needs to really put the ball in the air, he's able to. But at the same time, this is a Michigan team that they're going to be really looking to pound the rock. They're going up against a Penn State team that they have not necessarily been able to do a great job of being able to shut down the ground game. And when it comes to this Michigan bunch, what I really like is the fact that they've had Hassan Haskins do all that he's been able to do thus far. He wound up being able to return to his normal self after he settled down a little bit in that game against Michigan State. He comes back with a buck 68 and a touchdown in a drubbing of Indiana. And this is a Michigan team that, by and large, they've been able to do a solid job on the road. Now, their lone loss wound up coming on the road to Michigan State, but I mean, Michigan State is legitimately a top-10 team. They're just really good in general. You take a look at what Michigan has been able to do whenever they've hit the road against a team like a Wisconsin. 
I recognize that Nebraska always winds up getting overhyped because the fan base still thinks that it's like 1990 and that they're going to be competing for national titles when in reality they need to look themselves in the mirror and recognize that Bo Pelini probably should have never been fired in the first place even though he wasn't necessarily getting the team into the top 10. But that said, you got a Michigan bunch that they have certainly been able to do some very good work this year. I just take a look at Michigan in general, the way that they've been able to hold up defensively. I think that Penn State is going to have a really a tough time with this. I do think that it is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I mean, the Big Ten all year long has been really taking college football back to yesteryear in the way that you've had a lot of lower scoring games. This aside from Maryland, who winds up giving up a whole bunch of points. Rutgers on offense has taken the Big Ten back to yesteryear. On defense, whoever winds up facing them, well, not so much because they have not necessarily been able to do so much. But when it comes to this Penn State team, I do think that it's going to be very tough for them to be able to block David Obajo, who has been absolutely tremendous for this Michigan team. He's already been able to rack up eight sacks. He's got at least a half a sack in each out of the last five weeks. He has really been able to emerge for this team. He's been able to be a game wrecker in general. And when it comes to Penn State, I do have my question marks as to how they're going to be able to hold up against a Michigan team that they're good with their front seven. They're good at being able to protect in the secondary. They've just got all the pieces that you want. So even though I don't necessarily like to take a look at road favorites, I'm going to be doing it in this spot with Michigan. And this is a spot in which if I had to play the total, I would be taking a look at the under. We've been taking a look at a wide variety of things. Coming up on the other side, we're going to be taking a look at the SEC because we've got a very jam-packed early block, the 9 a.m. Pacific, the noon Eastern games. They are very loaded. We've got Auburn versus Mississippi State in that window as well. So we're going to be hitting on that. We're going to be taking a look at just everything in general for this college football Saturday next here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. Today's episode of the Ron Platter Racing Pod features a look back at the Breeders' Cup with Horse Racing Nation's Ed DeRosa. Kate Hunter recruited the horses from Japan who won each out of the last two weekends championships, and she will talk about her role. Subscribe for free right now at iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or download it in the morning at vcin.com slash podcast and the Rob Flyder Racing Pod is sponsored by First Bet. As we are back here at lovely Circa in Las Vegas, it is a Greg Peterson experience. We're taking you guys through what is going to be an awesome college football Saturday and have no fear, going to be giving out a little bit of college basketball in the final segment as well. So we've got you guys covered on all fronts and the SEC has us covered on all fronts. I wound up talking about just the calamity that we have, that the fact that we've got a New Mexico State versus Alabama game in mid-November and what that all means. But with that said, we've got a little bit of a better one out there in Alabama, and this is between Auburn and Mississippi State. Auburn is right now finding themselves a lot of spots right around a five-ish point favor. You're going to find a little bit of movement here, but you're finding Auburn has a little bit more than a field goal and less than a touchdown. And your total on this game, it is 51. And when I take a look at this situation, I do think that Auburn should be able to cover this game because with Mississippi State, they've been able to do a great job of having Will Rogers be able to air it out. He has been absolutely amazing. I mean, 3,300 yards speaks for itself, but certainly a case in which you do need the defense to be able to back them up a little bit. This is a Mississippi State team that they do seem to wind up having turnovers come at just the wrong time as well. So they've had a couple of issues there. And then when it comes to Auburn, what I really like for the team is what they are not doing. They are not turning the ball over a whole lot. They've been able to do a good job 
of being disciplined on that front. You take a look at Bo Nix. He hasn't necessarily come out and become ever like that Heisman guy or anything like that. But at the same time, he knows his role. He's been able to do a very solid job whenever he's been out there on the field. You do have a guy in TJ Finley who also wound up getting a couple reps earlier in the season if they ever needed to make the change over to him. I think that there's actually quite a bit of an upside there. But when it comes to next, he's been able to do a good job of being able to move around with his feet as needed as he's been able to provide four rushing touchdowns as well, which I think has been very nice for the team. But I take a look at Knicks, and what I think is going to be key for him is just being able to continue to be efficient because the two weeks prior to the loss against Texas A&M, against Arkansas and Ole Miss, back-to-back wins against ranked teams, he was able to do a good job of just taking what the defense gave him. It felt like he was in a little bit of what we always call in betting chase mode. He was looking to be able to get the home run, try to be able to try to make three touchdowns with one pass, and you just can't wind up doing that. So that was an issue. And, I mean, just facing off against Texas A&M, that's a tough ask in general. When it comes to Sauber Munch, I do think that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job on defense. But I take a look at this Mississippi State team, and I do think that points are going to be a plenty in this one. I do recognize that Auburn has been able to do a very solid job of being able to shut down teams in general. But when it comes to Mississippi State, what I think is very intriguing about them. They've actually been very good against the run. Against the pass, not necessarily so much, but... Tank Brigsby is going to be in for a little bit of a tough ride, but I do like the way that he's been able to perform against some relatively strong teams as well. Ole Miss, obviously, not necessarily the moniker of defensive hierarchy when it comes to the SEC. He wound up having 140 yards in that game, but even against Texas A&M, he was still racking up right around 4.6 yards per carry. He was still able to do a solid job there in recent weeks against teams like Arkansas, Georgia, been a little bit tougher for him, but I do think that he's going to be able to find some running room in this one. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and when it comes to Mississippi State, I think that they wind up getting their points, but I think that they wind up allowing Auburn to be able to run a little bit all over them as well. I'd be looking at Auburn to be able to win this game by a touchdown, so want to lay five to five and a half here with them, and when it comes to the SEC in general, we do have some very solid matchups that are going to be going down. This one is not going to be necessarily too shall we say, adventurous when it comes to straight up. But I do think that there are some big against the spread implications with this one. Number one, Georgia going to be going on the road to face off against Tennessee. Tennessee finding themselves across the board right around a 20-point underdog. And for Georgia, this bunch has just been able to roll. They've looked so good just all year long, whether it be Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels at quarterback. Both of these guys have been able to lead the team to success. And you really don't need much of a quarterback when it comes to Georgia. Now, you can't have Greg Peterson playing quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but when you just take a look at things when it comes to Georgia, they are towards the top of all of FBS football in nearly def- in nearly every defensive aspect. They have been absolutely incredible, and even when JT Daniels has been out of the fold, they have been able to really have success. I know that they want to be using both quarterbacks last weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if... They wind up giving both guys multiple reps of things, wind up getting a little bit out of hand. I think that that's something that you want to be taking a look at with Georgia. You've obviously got quite a few guys that are able to do a great job of being able to run the ball as well. You don't necessarily have one guy that you wind up looking to for 25-plus carries because you've been able to have Zamir Wright be able to do a great job. He's been able to give the team nine touchdowns. He's averaging right around five yards per carry just night in and night out. He's been able to provide it, even though last week you only wound up having like 14 yards against Missouri. It really didn't matter because they were just up by so many points. But you've got James Cook, Kendall Milton. I mean, the 
embarrassment of riches that this team winds up having. It's just absolutely insane. And then you take a look at the flip side for Tennessee, and this is a bunch in which they've been able to put up some points all season long. I still remember that game against Missouri. They wanted putting up 60-plus, but this Georgia defense is no joke. I think that it would be much easier to see Georgia be able to just completely hold down Tennessee rather than see a shoot-up wind up ensuing. I think that Georgia is going to be able to do a solid job of keeping Tennessee off the board. When it comes to Tennessee, this is an offense in which they very are they very much are reliant on Hendon Hooker to just do it all for this team. And I do give him a lot of credit with Hooker. He's only thrown two interceptions this year. He's actually been highly efficient with that regard. He does a good job of taking what the defense gives him. Problem is, this Georgia defense doesn't give you too much. The front seven always is able to provide a lot of good pressure. And when it comes to the ground game of Tennessee, it certainly is far from bad. You've got a guy in Ty and Evans who's able to give you six and a half yards per carry. He's not necessarily a guy that you want to use as a guy that winds up getting like 20 plus carries, but he's been good in smaller doses. So I think that that'll be a little bit of something for Tennessee, but I just take a look at Georgia. I think that they're going to be able to get their 28 to 35 points. I think that they're really going to be holding Tennessee off the scoreboard. I don't feel like Tennessee has seen a team in general that plays defense quite the way that Georgia does. And quite frankly, a lot of that is because, well, this is, in my opinion, by far the best defense in all of college football. And I don't think that it's close. I think that it's just going to completely swallow up this Tennessee team. So what I'd be looking at here is the under of 56. I'd be looking at Georgia, especially just as long as you're able to get below 21, because I do think that whenever it comes to just any sport in general, whether it be college football, whether it be the NFL, list goes on and on. You always want to be getting the best of the number. And as we know, key numbers in football, those are typically just the most paramount out of all of them. And when it comes to the SEC, it is certainly a case in which you do have Alabama and Georgia just being complete and utter opposites. I mentioned it a little bit earlier with Alabama having a game with a very high sport point spread. How about if we wind up going with one with a very low one involving a pair of ranked teams, Texas A&M and Ole Miss. As of right now, A&M finding themselves as a very short road favorite. You're finding them in quite a few spots, right around a two and a half point favorite. And this is a total that is fluctuating a little bit. Seems to be settling in more towards about a 57. And when I take a look at this Texas A&M team, I do think that they are catching Ole Miss at the right time. We have seen a couple threes pop with Texas A&M. Typically, if you're finding a three with Texas A&M, you're going to get reduced juice right around even money slash a minus 105. But when it comes to Ole Miss, it feels like they just haven't necessarily been able to get as much out of Matt Corral in recent weeks. And I think a lot of this has to go with the ailment that he's been having. I mean, he's a guy that he has been playing through injury. I think that it shows. Now, when it comes to Matt Corral, I feel like 75% of him is better than 100% for anyone else that Ole Miss is able to throw out there. But at the same time, you take a look at Texas A&M. This is a team that they've been able to do a great job of being able to bear down on defense. And Isaiah Spiller has been absolutely tremendous for this bunch. He's been able to average a little bit over six yards per carry, 100 plus yards, four out of the last five weeks. And it's not like he's going up against scrub defenses. He was able to do so against Mississippi State, one of the better rush defenses in all of college football, Auburn. Now the Missouri game, well... Missouri has been bad this year. It's something in which I wish I could put it any other way, but they're just bad. But you take a look at what you've been able to get also out of the ancillary running back of this team, Devin Ashane. He has been just the home run hitter of this team. It has been great to be able to watch him as well. I think that it's going to be a case in which Ole Miss 
is going to have a tough time being able to shut down that duo. And with Texas A&M, I do think that they're going to be able to do a good job against Corral and company. I do think that the secondary of Texas A&M does have a couple question marks, but I do think that they're going to be able to do a solid job because Ole Miss, they have just been held down a little bit more in general. Corral has been a little bit less of a rushing threat. And when it comes to Texas A&M, I do think that you're going to be able to get just enough out of the quarterback spot for this team to be able to win by a touchdown. Calzada has been someone that has been willing to air the ball out quite a bit when needed. I do think that the ground game is going to be able to set that up. I think that he's going to hit those one or two shots that he needs to in this game. So looking at Texas A&M, we've been taking a look at the SEC quite a bit in this segment. Coming up next, we've got to get a, give a little bit of love to the Pac-12. That is going to be coming up next as we continue to take a look at all things college football to get you set for what is going to be a big college football Saturday right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The college basketball season has tipped off, and now is your time to get our copy of the annual betting guide. It's just $10. This year's guide has everything you need to bet on all the games all season long, including odds, trends, power rankings, along with analysis. For every single team, I wound up giving a nugget on all 358 D1 teams. Our team of experts, including some guy named Greg Oops and wish I could meet him in person, Matt Humans and Tim Murray, provide their predictions for win totals, futures, conference champions, tournament teams, player awards, and so much more. Sign up today and get your copy for only $9.99. That is at bsin.com slash subscribe as we're back here. It is the Greg Peterson experience. We're coming at you from Circus Sportsbook. And last segment, we wound up giving some love to the SEC. Now in this segment, got to get you set for everything that we're going to be seeing in the Pac-12 for this college football Saturday. And how about if we take a look at a second Pac-12 team that is now ranked for many weeks. It was Oregon as the lone wolf, but now you've got Utah at number 24 hitting the road face off against Arizona. Arizona's finding themselves as a 24.5 point underdog, and your total on this game is 55. With Utah, I've been really impressed by what I've been seeing out of them in recent weeks, but this is also a Utah team that they've been a little bit different home to road. You take a look at what Utah has been able to provide on the road, and it's been a little bit tough. Loss against BYU, loss against San Diego State. They were able to knock off USC, but USC is right now in so much dysfunction. The only question that we should be asking with the Trojans is, who is going to be their next coach? Because that's all that anyone cares about at this point because they have completely mailed in the season. But, I mean, it's been a little bit rough there now. They wind up just completely bludgeoning Stanford by kind of 52-7 to a few nights ago. I believe that that was a Friday night game that they wound up being able to do that. But you take a look at this Utah team and Cameron Riesling, he has been able to do a solid job for the team with Riesling. They don't necessarily ask him to do too much. It's just what he doesn't do, and that's turn the ball over. It's just such a big theme when it comes to college football in general. These teams that they don't turn the ball over, they don't wind up trying to do a little bit more than they need to. Oftentimes, they're the ones that wind up leading you to the window, and Reesing has been able to do a nice job recently. He has not thrown an interception in each out of his last three weeks. He just kept everything within the function of the offense. 
They ask him to air the ball out a little bit, but not necessarily too much. And then when it comes to this run game, how about Tavion Thomas? Coming off of a four-touchdown game, he was able to put up a buck seventy-seven in that game against Stanford. He's got 14 touchdowns overall and a combined eight touchdowns in the last two weeks. That is just absolutely insane right there. But he's been able to do a great job for the team. And you got an Arizona bunch that they don't stop the pass well. They don't stop the run well. They don't run the ball well. They don't pass the ball well. I mean, I'm trying to look at anything. I think that they might have a good punter. That might be something that you wind up having with Arizona. But, I mean, it's just a case in which you've got a completed under mismatch here. I recognize the fact that Utah has had their road woes, but I think that this is just an Arizona team that, in general, you're hoping that they're able to build off of that win that they wound up having against Cal last weekend. They've been close in quite a few of their games. I mean, the seven-point loss that they had on the road against USC, there are worse things than that. They wound up playing close against Arizona. Even the game against UCLA, it wasn't necessarily some sort of a butt-kicking or anything like that. They wound up being able to hold that bay when it comes to the game against Oregon as well, but you just take a look at this punch, and you've got a guy in Plummer at quarterback who's got two touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's been sealing, dealing with some soreness. Now, from all reports, it sounds like he is probably going to be playing in this game. You can probably expect Will Plummer. You probably want to be checking out on this just before you wind up seeing this game go off because it's a little bit of an early one out there on the West Coast. It's an 11 a.m. Pacific more like a noon. I think that's the time for Arizona right now. I always get confused by Arizona time, but I mean, it's a noon mountain time game. So you want to be taking a look at that, but it's a case in which I think that Utah should be able to win. I think that they should be able to win handily, but especially if you've got the hook on this one, 24 and a half, just will be a couple too many for me to be able to lay in this spot, just because you do have a team in Utah that they themselves, they are a little bit different home to road as well. But you take a look at the other team that is ranked out there in the Pac-12. You've got the Oregon Ducks, and they're right now finding themselves right around a two-touchdown favorite in their game. Oregon has been just such an intriguing team in general because they've had a couple struggles in games in which you wouldn't expect them to struggle. Washington State, no question, a team that has made some headlines the last few weeks, obviously, when they wanted to fire Nick Rolovich for COVID-19 protocol and everything like that. That was something that you figured might be a little bit tough for the team, but I mean, Washington State has actually went 4-1 and one out of their last five games. This hasn't seemed to phase them at all. Their lone loss was at home by two points against BYU. So I think that this is a little bit more intriguing because typically when you find an unranked team against Oregon and especially like a 5-4 and four team like Washington State, you'd think that the spread would be higher. But I think that the folks are onto something here. I think that there might be a little bit of value here with Washington State because I think that with Washington State, the real key to this game is going to be making it very, very grimy, not allowing much of anything whatsoever from Oregon. They've held their opponents to 24 points or fewer in four out of their last five games in this recent streak. You take a look at Oregon. They've been able to do a good job with their dual threat quarterback and die being able to take the load off of them when it comes to the ground game. Anthony Brown he has been able to do a nice job completing right around 63.5% of his passes, and he does a great job of being able to give you a little bit of versatility with the feed as well. This is someone that has already rushed for seven touchdowns this year. Keep in mind, this is someone that at the beginning part of his career, first four years, had a combined six rushing touchdowns. So I think that that's really insane what we've been able to see with him being able to move around so much. But I do take a look at this Oregon defense, and 
It has been known to give up a little bit of something. I do think that, by and large, Mario Cristobal has been able to do a good job of being able to remake this Oregon team. But in general, I take a look at it, and I do feel like they sometimes wind up giving up some blown coverages that they shouldn't. And with Washington State, they've got a very explosive wide receiver in Calvin Jackson Jr., who has been solid for this team. He has been able to be a nice home run hitter for this team. He's got a reception of 22-plus yards in four out of the last five weeks, so he's able to get past the initial line of the secondary. So I think that he's going to be able to find a little bit of room to roam for this Washington State team. And when it comes to Washington State, their big bugaboo towards the beginning of the year was the fact that, once again, they were turning the ball over a lot. They've been able to do a better job of being able to rein it in. As you've got Jaden Delora, he has been able to do a better job recently of being able to not make rash decisions. He's done a better job of being able to take the second and third option. His progressions have been much better for this Washington State team. So I take a look at the Cougars at 14 points. I think that there's a little bit of value. I would love to see a hook be able to throw in on this. But in this spot, if you're looking at it, I would be certainly willing to take a 14-er with Washington State. Obviously, always hoping that that hook winds up getting out there. Maybe you wind up getting a full 15. But pretty much getting the hook would be absolutely massive for me. And you take a look at the Pac-12 in general. It certainly has been a little bit of a rough ride for so many of these teams because I have been mentioning it on this show as well. When it comes to odds to be able to make the college football playoff, you've really got Oregon, and then you've got absolutely nothing else. But we've seen a couple other Pac-12 teams be able to rise up just a tad bit more. I mentioned the fact that Utah is finally now ranked at. I do think that Oregon State is a little bit of an intriguing team, and they're going up against the Sanford bunch that they wound up having a nice win that wound up pushing Clay Elton out of a job. They wound up getting that nice win against Oregon. And ever since then, they have been a big, giant stinker. And right now, you've got an Oregon State team that you're finding them with a total of 56 in a lot of places. You're finding them anywhere between a 12.5 to a 13-point favorite. And it's just a case in which Samford has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Tanner McKee did not wind up going in their last game in which they just wound up getting dump trucked by Utah. It's currently a case in which he's a bit doubtful for this game as well. So you've got to figure that there's going to be no McKee unless uh, you wind up seeing something different in the AM. But when it comes to the Stanford bunch, it's just a team in which I just cannot take a look at in general. And Oregon State, it just always feels like they're one of the grittier teams. They're able to always give you an honest effort. B.J. Baylor has been able to do a tremendous job on the ground. 11 rushing touchdowns, nearly 1,000 yards already. He's pushing in there right around 6.3 yards per carry. So he's been able to do a nice job with this team. 98 plus yards in four out of the last five weeks as well. Oregon State, not a team that's necessarily going to be doing an absolutely superb job in the air, but with Stanford having their quarterback in McKee just be out for really undisclosed reasons. I've been trying to take a look as to why he's been out, but there hasn't been a whole heck of a lot on that front. But with that said, it doesn't matter whether you're out due to a torn ACL or a torn apart. If you're out, you're out. But you take a look at this Oregon State team as well. I do think that Nolan is going to be able to do a nice job of being able to rip apart a Stanford team that, in general, they just have not been able to do a good job against the pass as well. We've seen it with Stanford. They have been really regressing with regards to their defense with Mr. Nolan. He has five interceptions over the last four weeks. I think that he's going to be a little bit more disciplined with the ball. I do think that Oregon State should be able to win this game handily with them being between a 12 to a 12 and a half point favorite. I do think that you're getting something very solid here. So I'm going to be looking to lay the points here with Oregon State against the Sanford team that it has been the best of times for them. It has been the worst of times. 
They're feeling a little bit more like Clay Helton, who they wanted pushing out of a job earlier this season. So we've seen the circle of life out there in the Pac-12, and it's the circle of life on this show that we always have to talk a little college basketball. Coming up next, I'll give you guys some plays for this upcoming college basketball slate. Also be diving into some ins and outs with college football as well. That's next, right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever, and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Folks, it is the midseason special over here at the Vegas Sats and Information Network. For just $99, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now until the end of the NFL playoffs. You get daily best bets, emails, 24 7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in depth data and analysis. And you get the VSIN College Basketball Betting Guide, which is out right now. I wound up providing insights on all 358. D1 teams and that so we've got you guys covered on a little bit of everything there this is a great deal and it's just 99 buckaroos for the rest of the football season so sign up now vsin.com slash subscribe as it is a great peterson experience this is a final segment that we've got and then we are going to be having you guys covered at 5 a.m pacific 8 a.m eastern with some point spread saturday it is going to be femi obebefe and company taking you through that they always do a great job over there, and hopefully we can do a great job getting you guys to the window, going to give you guys a little college football and some college basketball here in this final segment. And how about if we start with a Big Ten team involving two ranked teams and yet a relatively big spread. Purdue is finding themselves a 21-point underdog against Ohio State. This is a total that is clocking in right now at a 64, and when it comes to Ohio State, they have been so dominant when it comes to the offense side of the ball. You've got C.J. Stroud who is creeping into the Heisman Trophy race. 25 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. He has been absolutely masterful for this team. You take a look at last week, he did wind up throwing a pair of interceptions against Nebraska, but every player is going to have a little bit of a tough time. And then you just take a look at Purdue, and it has been a very, very bumpy ride for them. This is a bunch in which they were able to have a very nice win against Michigan State. They also wound up losing to Wisconsin. They also wound up losing to Minnesota on their own field. So they have very much been teeter-tottering. I think 21 is just a couple too many, though. We have seen Purdue play in a wide variety of ways as well. This is a team that on any given week, they're going to be able to win sort of like a 35-31 to 31 slobber knocker, and they're going to be able to win a 10-7 to 7 game as well. So it has been so intriguing to be able to take a look at that. And Aiden O'Connell seems to be coming along for the, lot, for the ride. I know that I've personally been wondering why Jack Plummer hasn't gotten a little bit more of an opportunity for the team, but you take a look at what he wound up doing last week. 536 passing yards and three touchdowns. I'll call that pretty stinking good right there. I think you've got an Ohio State team that has been able to do a good job on the ground, but they've been giving up through the air. They're allowing nearly 250 passing yards per game, and you've got an explosive wide receiver who's already over 1,000 yards by himself in David Bell. Bell has been one of the best Wideouts in all of college football thus far. You're able to rely upon him for the short routes. You're able to rely upon him for the bombs as well. This guy has done it all for this Purdue team. So I take a look at this spot. I know that Purdue has been very hit or miss, shall we say, in recent weeks. But I do think that 21 is a couple too many. I think that you're going to see a little bit more of a regular game. Purdue losing something like a 41 to 24 style game. Maybe like a 41 to 30 not a case of which Purdue winds up getting just completely run off the field, but at the same time, they don't wind up pulling off this outright win. So I'm taking a look at the 21 with Purdue, and I do like that. Purdue is a team, by the way, I think is going to be doing a good job out there on the hardwood as well. They were able to take down Indiana State yesterday, but now we've got to take a look forward at some of the games that we've got for Saturday. I wound up mentioning a few of these in the first hour, but something that I'm going to be taking a look at is an intriguing one. You've got George Washington. They're going to be on the road. 
facing off against San Diego. This is 661-662. I always like to give out the rotation numbers because college basketball winds up getting very, very hairy with these. And you've got a George Washington team that is finding themselves anywhere between a one and one and a half point favorite. And your total on this game is ranging anywhere between 145 and 146. And when you take a look at this UC San Diego team, they wound up having the biggest win in program history. They wound up being a little bit just shall we say, the victim of COVID-19 because they were supposed to play against Cal in their first game ever since going from the non-D1 level to the D1 level. They spent so many years as a Division II powerhouse, but they wanted coming up, and now you're finding them as a tad bit of an underdog. And I take a look at UC San Diego, and I do think that they are going to be doing an absolutely tremendous job this season. In general, you've got a George Washington team that you do have Ricky Lindo Jr., Ricky Lindo Jr. was able to give the team right around 10 rebounds per game last season since coming over from Maryland, and he's been able to do a solid job this season, but with the UC San Diego, you do have a little bit of a hidden gem with this team. Tony Rocock, he wound up having 27 points in that season opener against Cal. Cal, UC San Diego is a bunch of which they do a relatively solid job of being able to shoot threes by committee. It is a team of which, other than Rocock, you don't necessarily have one guy that necessarily emerges, is able to put up big numbers, but we've also seen it with George Washington. This is a team that they don't necessarily play fast. I do like their coach, Jamie on Christian. You may recall in his one year at Siena, he wound up playing at the second slowest pace of any coach out there in college basketball. So I do take a look at this 146. I do take a look at the under, but just because they play slow doesn't mean that they necessarily play great basketball. We've certainly seen that with them. It's just hard to be able to get a gauge as to what you're going to be able to get out of George Washington because you've got four guys averaging in double figures. Joe Besmeal, Brendan Adams, Ricky Lindo, James Bishop. Everyone else is averaging two points per game or fewer, so you have absolutely no depth whatsoever when it comes to this bunch. And then you take a look at UC San Diego. They did a nice job in that game against Cal, another team that likes to play a little bit more slow. San Diego is not a team that they necessarily are going to be going necessarily too far up-tempo, but I think that they're going to do a nice job of being able to hold up at the point of attack on the glass. And then you've got a little bit of a guy that's emerging in the backcourt in Bryce Pope. Wound up having 18 points in that season opener. He last season was really not able to emerge as much as you'd like him to, but 40% three-point shooter wasn't necessarily the facilitator that you'd like him to be, but he was able to do a very solid job of he'll hit some buckets. Looks like he's a little bit more well-rounded. So I'm going to be taking a look at UC San Diego as right around a point to a point and a half point underdog. And I think that I'm going to be bypassing the point and I'm going to be going with this game on the money line. Another game that is really standing out to me, you've got the UC Irvine Anteaters. And if you're wondering what sound a anteater makes, zot zot, because we always know what noise like a dog makes and everything like that. There's nothing more random than an anteater. They're going to be taking on Boise State. Across the board, you're finding this game open up right around to pick them. And if you're looking for rotation number 657, 658, this has now become a case in which you've got Boise State now anywhere between a point after a two-point favorite. So all the more better. I was just planning on taking the money line anyway, whether they be a pick em because, well, it's going to be the same if it's a pick em on the money line anyway. But I take a look at this UC Irvine team. They've got a tried and true style. This is a team that you're in and you're out. They're not going to take a lot of threes. They're not going to rely too much on their backcourt. They're going to just smash you in the face down low. They're going to just wind up trying to make things very, very ugly, and they always have success with it. UC Irvine, 
You're earning your own. You're going to find them towards the bottom of all of college basketball when it comes to possessions per game. They're going to be towards the top when it comes to rebound rate. And they've got a guy by the name of Colin Velp. It has a W on it, but it's pronounced Velp. He shot during the 2019-20 season right in the pocket of about 44% from three-point range as a six-foot-nine combo player. He does absolutely great work for this team. They did wind up losing a couple front-court pieces from last year, but this is a UC Irvine team that they do a good job of developing. This is a team that I think Dawson Baker is going to be able to do a good job of taking hold of. He and J.C. Butler are able to do a good job out there in the backcourt for this team. And then you take a look at this Boise State team. You've got someone like an Abu Kihab who's been okay for them, but they brought in a bunch of just cast-offs from Pac-12, and they've all been okay. They haven't necessarily been great. They haven't necessarily been terrible. You've got Donavere Dutrieve, who I think is going to need this up for this team. He had 18 points in the season opener for Boise State, but for Boise State, Ray J. Davis leaving the fold for the MAC conference. I think that that really was a big bugaboo for the team. He wound up having four assists per game. He's a guy that played some very good plus defense as well for Boise State. This is a team that they themselves are never necessarily going to kick it up tempo. I think that UC Irvine is going to be able to take it to them. I'm going to be taking a look at them in this spot. A few other games I have my eye on. New Mexico wound up opening up at 17 and a half. That was absolutely ridiculous. I gobbled that up. Now you're finding this game more in the neighborhood of about a 14 and a half. You're finding some 15s as well. It's still a spot in which I want to make a Colorado on my line an eight and a half point favorite. So if you're still looking at a 14 and a half to a 15, you've still got more than enough runway there. South Alabama is a team that is catching anywhere between 13 and a half and 14 points. That's way too many against Wichita State. And you've got a big one. You've got Texas and Gonzaga. I wound up gobbling up the points with Texas. I do think that they're going to be able to hang in there against Gonzaga. I think that Gonzaga is the best team in all of college basketball, but you just take a look at the sheer talent that Texas have. You've got Marcus Carr being able to team up with someone like a Courtney Ramey. You're able to throw in there Andrew Jones from last year. And this is a team that they are going to be without Dylan Disu in this game. But at the same time, you've still got Christian Bishop down low. I think that he's going to be able to do a good job of being able to hold up. Now, Drew Timmy, I think, is ultimately going to win that battle. And Chad Holmgren, I mean, the guy is a unicorn. He's seven feet tall. He's able to shoot threes. He's able to block shots. He does a little bit of everything. But at the same time, I think that giving you north of a touchdown here with Texas is just too many. I'm going to be winding up taking the points there. And something else I'm going to be taking... Beeson with me all day long because there's going to be great coverage, wall-to-wall coverage of what is going to be a jam-packed day of sports. So we've got you covered with a little bit of everything right here on the Sports Betting Network, Beeson. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. 
Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.